Hey everyone, welcome to Bridge Stories. This is our new podcast giving people space and time to tell their stories of encountering God and being changed by Him. We hope you're encouraged by these stories and also that you leave excited that you know a lot of really awesome people a little bit better. So sit back and enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you. Uh, if people are watching, this is Ruth Ann. And Ruth Ann, it, it sounds like it took some co- coaxing to get you here. Um, I'm here. <laughs> I, I want to come clean. I did send a text message or two that said, uh, whatever you have to do to get her to say yes, just do that. <laughs> so, I'm glad that you're here and I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, my, um, I hadn't returned your call. And um, yet, I was trying to think of a godly way to <laughs> say no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. But then Linda and Dylan and Scott were sitting around the kitchen table there. I didn't really feel like I had the police light pull over my head, but it was like that. They began to talk to me as to why I should do this. And, um, and I knew it was right. I knew it was right. They corner you like in a back against the wall and have like an intervention. Well, it was uh, three to one, and, okay. and and they were right. I I knew it down in my heart well, that I wanted to say yes, that I should say yes. You know. Well, I'm excited to to talk to you. I I think one of the things I'm learning about doing this is so often I I kind of check off this box in my mind like that I I know people, and I do I know a lot of things about them, but there's something really remarkable when you sit down and hear someone's full story yes. from start to finish all in one sitting. I, I feel like it helps me connect the dots. It I do love testimonies. I loved everyone that's that you've done. Just really impacted me so much. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm really glad to hear that. So I, I think there's a lot of people. Um I, I had asked a handful of people who who would you like to hear and your name is right up at the top mm-hmm. of the list. So we're very excited about this. Welcome. Um, and uh, I think we could just jump right in. I um, I know, and this kind of like makes me nostalgic a little bit, that we, uh, decades apart, pretty much grew up in the exact same area. You grew up in Yuba City, home of the Honkers, mm-hmm. which um, is a hilarious mascot. Yes, it is. And if you've ever dro- driven through the rice paddies on your way out there, you know why they're the Honkers. Yeah. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about, about your childhood. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in South Sioux City, Nebraska, and uh, my father owned a uh, tire shop, and then the Depression hit, and according to my mother, my father was not a, a businessman, but he had a lot of compassion, and so everybody needed tires to go to work. <clears throat> so we soon had nothing, and... Um, nothing left. We lost everything. So we came to, to, um, a little town called Wheatland in Marysville, uh, about 40 miles from Marysville. <clears throat> Sorry. And we had a great aunt that lived there and we stayed there until we got settled. And then, um, he worked, he worked with agriculture and he really loved that. And, uh, so we were out, then we moved out it would be just a little east of Marysville, or Yuba City, actually, for this one, and um, lived out there in, in the country. We loved it, but we were only there a year. My father contacted pneumonia, and not like today, but in those days, they didn't get you up and walk, 
So he was flat on his back for a long time. And, and then when he came home, uh, that was a day that's imprinted in my mind. Well, he came home, and we were celebrating the next day, him getting up. And, of course, food was very important in our family, and he got to choose what he wanted for a menu. But so my family, my mother and my brother went to to town to get his food, and and um, my sister was twelve and I was ten, and my father got up to go to the restroom and he threw a, a clot, an embolism, and um, uh, got made it back to bed, but called for we girls and we were in there and we didn't have a phone or anything, so it was a she had to run about a mile, my sister to to get help we didn't know what to do but he was already gone so that i am sure that much because that was very pivotal in my heart uh i don't think we knew how to grieve I, but inside as a 10 year old i wanted my dad i needed a dad and i realized as the years went on that i um i so longed for a father mm. in my home even my girlfriends i kind of chosen by what their dad was like and wanting them to love me yeah. like he loved them. It's an amazing thing, that empty void that I felt. Mm. Not that I had so many memories of my dad, but <clears throat> we were happy. We were a happy family. Yeah. So that life went on, and um, I went into nursing school. I'll skip most of my high school, unless she wanted, there was not a lot to do. It it's worth skipping. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But there's going to be some high schoolers who listen to this and say, "Amen, just skip it. Let's go yeah, right to college." Right. <laughs> so I, I went in, <clears throat> went into nursing school, and um, and we tried. And, and the carrot for all of us, and it was an all girl school. And what, what, what was the school called? Highland School of Nursing. Okay. Alameda County Hospital. Okay. So kind of towards the Bay Area. Oakland. Okay. Oakland. And um, a girlfriend. And first, we, first we went to college to be a teacher. My mother was a teacher. My sister was a teacher. And then I really realized that is not what I wanted to do. We went into nursing, and I loved that. Mm. And she went with me, a girlfriend. And um, so anyway, we were... It was good. We liked it. It was hard, but it was uh, what I liked doing. And uh, but the carrot was for all the students was that uh, our junior year uh, we would get to go to Stanford for our psychiatric affiliation. Okay. And Stanford was an all boys school. Oh, so <laughs> believe me, that was a real um, uh, just a, 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 something we never wanted to quit before that happened. Anyway. You've got to make it to the junior year to go right. to the all-boys school. So on one day um, in the hall, there was a little bit of activity and comment. They were looking at something on the board, and um, we went, I went and checked it out. And it, said, it was saying that they were taking five students, not sending them to Stanford, but sending them down here to Compton. And my name was on there. And I, I could not. I was, I was so upset. My mother wrote a letter because I was going to be turning twenty-one, and um, but anyway, nothing, nothing worked out that way. So I, it was really a real downer for me. But to come to Compton. Come to Compton and not go to Stanford. I see. That was the downer. Oh, I see. Okay. Not go to because that was instead of 
So we did come down here, and morale was very low. Yeah. It was over the Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, special holidays for family. And um, three different schools merged uh, for that, Arizona. And it was... The morale was so low with the students. We lived over the patients upstairs, and the morale was so low that um, they called me up to talk to me what they could do about it, you know, the director of nurses. So they decided to have a dance. So, um, we, you know, it was supposed to end at 1030. The psychiatrists were going to be our chaperones and little... A phonograph was going to be our music. and We couldn't get too excited about that, but we had that. And we didn't know if any men would come because um, we didn't know anybody. And no one knew anybody. But the nurses there, I mean, the yeah, the nurses, they knew of places. And they said, well, we'll just put a, a poster in the Marine Base, Seal Beach. We'll put one in the Navy and so forth. So that's all we knew. We didn't know. <laughs> So, and I was kind of in charge of that dance. So I was, you know, I just, we were not expecting much. And um, so anyway, but however, some guys did come, which things picked up right away, you know, with that. And I saw John walk in the door. And when I saw him. Had you, you've never met him at all before this? This is the first time you've met him. Okay. He was a Marine. And I saw him come in. And I thought, oh, this is looking better all the time. <laughs> were you, um, were you boy crazy? No. Oh no, I was not. You're already telling me you couldn't wait to be 21 so you could go to the all boys school. Well, of course. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would certainly sounded good, but I know I was not boy crazy. So I, I want to get back to the the dance, but I think maybe because we're sitting in the city of Orange right now. I know what Yuba City is. I don't know that other people are, are understanding because there's a huge cultural difference from Yuba City to going more or less to the greater L.A. area, right? Mm-hmm. Before we started, you were you were telling me, tell people about where you grew up. What was the house like? So just paint a picture because this is a, a rural farming community. And, and yeah. you're growing up in this area. So, so paint that picture because I think the contrast to added dance in greater Los Angeles is going to yeah. pack a punch. Well, when we were in Nebraska, we, we were probably, well, we had good income, we'll put it that way. Okay. When we came to, uh, to Wheatland, Wheatland area outside of Marysville, we, um, we were really poor. And, but my father was a worker, and so... When they asked him to be over a group of orchards, uh, in, which was outside of uh, Yuba City, um, we took it and we had, first we lived in the bunkhouse, but then this was a big house to us, a big house, except that we lived in. We were only there one year when my father died, and then we moved to this little tiny, tiny house on uh, Park Avenue, and <laughs> the name is on in um, Yuba City. And so that was kind of our, it was hard. That was hard for my mother. She had to take care of all of us. My brother had to sleep on the back porch. And um, so anyway, 
that I don't know if that's what you wanted, but that was a little picture of of uh, and then my mother you know kept doing better and better and getting more and more uh, credits and uh, she bought a home and things got better yeah. for us. But um, so then when we came down here, you know, it was for me it was like saddest thing in the world to have to come and not not stay with none of the other girls that came were my best friends at all okay. either but anyway is that enough yeah, yeah so so i'm i'm just picturing have you ever been to a big city at this point no so all of a sudden you're just thrust into however in compton they didn't let us out oh okay we, we didn't get out they oh, you weren't allowed to that's get why out. we were so depressed yeah <laughs> There were some shootings or something, and we, they wouldn't let us go okay. anywhere, so we were stuck. You know? Okay, so now you're, you're, you're trying to figure out the morale. You're at a dance, and in walks this Marine. Yes. Yeah. You, do you immediately know that you're interested? I noticed him, do you? Yeah, okay. and I thought I, that I thought I would like to dance with him. You know, I think I would like to dance with him. I was not prepared to be. There was someone that I would go out with back in the Oakland area, but... <clears throat> And so um, we did. He asked me to dance. And I think within the first 10 seconds, you might know this story, but he asked me if I drank. And I you know, this seemed a little... A little forward. Yeah. And I said, no. And they said, do you smoke? And I said, no. And thinking, and it, it was like a drill. And then he said, do you swear? And I said, no. He said, do you go to church? I go, yes. And then he asked me to dance the second dance. <laughs> so anyway, um, but that was a strange beginning. So did you- and then I asked him, I said, well, what about you? And he had the same answers, you know. So, so did, you, um, did you grow up going to church then? Yes. Uh-huh. And what, what, what kind of church? I- it was a Christian church in Marysville. Okay. And, um, but it's so funny. Uh, I know that I was born again when I look back. We didn't use those words then. When I look back, I know I was born again around eight when my father was baptized. We were baptized, my sister and I. But I don't think we ever grew. I don't remember the word, the Bible being. And I've been trying to think. I don't remember taking a Bible to nursing school, which is awful to me when I think about it now. Interesting. Three, and I was there, you know, three years all the way around. So that was, so we didn't grow. But we honored, my sister and I, we honored what we knew. We honored my parents. We honored uh, the Lord, you know. But we we weren't able, and I worked weekends at the hospital. We, we pretty much staffed the hospital. So, so anyway, yes, I know I was born again, uh, but I... Uh, I did not, it was hard work to read the Bible. Yeah. And so anyway, John and I, we, uh, he only had, we only had six weeks left there. I had six weeks left of the sanitarium where I was working. He had six weeks left in the Marines. Where was he stationed? No, he had a little longer. Seal Beach. Okay. Okay. Seal Beach. No, he had, I had six weeks left before I went back to Oakland for my last part of nursing. And he had the same amount of time left to get out of the Marines as I did for nursing. What was the age difference between the two of you? We were the same age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Same age. He had just come back from Korea. Okay. And um, 
had lost a lot of his uh, buddies' lives, had lost their lives. His mom, who was a wonderful woman, uh, they lived in Kansas, and she would get up in the middle of the night and go out and get in the car when she felt, and, and pray all night for him. And I think that's why he survived, because mm. many of his uh, guys did not. They did not survive. So anyway, that... Um, so I, he, I really I, I love him to this day. He was a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, so we got married the next year. And then um, we lived down here in Southern California. I think about it, I would never want to leave, let my kids do this, but we took off with a U-Haul trailer and all our wedding gifts and um, no job, you know. But as a nurse, I could, yeah, you could work find- anywhere. Mm-hmm. He had a friend down here, there, another Marine buddy, whose dad was going to line up something for him to work. And yeah. He ended up working at Douglas Aircraft for a while. Okay. So we came down and, and um, started our marriage and lived in Long Beach. What was, what was Long Beach? So what year are we talking about? 54. What was Long Beach like in 1954? Pretty nice. Okay. Pretty nice. Yeah. And I worked for... Um, pediatrician okay and in um for about i started really real soon right away um for a few years worked for them and then i worked for the health department in long beach but um what i do recall i love my husband i love my job am i close enough yeah you're fine i love my job but there was just still a void a void, hmm. emptiness. And I, I remember thinking, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Because I had a great husband, but I was aware of something very empty. And we went to church together okay. all the time. And we tried at the first of every New Year's, every New Year's we made resolutions to read our Bible. And every New Year's we began. How long did you usually go? Well, we only would get through the begats in Matthew. We, and that's, you know, we should have started somewhere else in the begats. But, and so, but I worked hard as a nurse on my feet. He was working hard as a, a by this time, a survey for uh, the L.A. County Flood Control. And <clears throat> so when we got in bed at night, we'd hold the Bible up and try to read, you know, and we're so tired. We just <laughs> never made it. So then we, each year we bought a bigger Bible thinking it's the Bible, you know, we needed something more. And they finally ended with, we came home with this great big Bible from Pomona Fair. You know, it almost makes the coffee table creak. It's so heavy, you know. And so that was, that was a, we didn't get anywhere with reading the Bible. And so anyway, um, we were working and, and then on, we weren't able to have children Okay. It was difficult. And so... How, how early in your marriage did you know that? Right away. Okay. Right away. So because my mother was adopted and John was adopted... Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And so um, we adopted David. You know, we adopted him. And um, everybody was coming now to see him. He had been in a foster home. He was about four and a half months old. He was really cute. And so we also lived in a little tiny house, John and I did, but we owned it in uh, Long Beach. And so 
family came to see him and spend Thanksgiving with us. And and on that day, uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1961, okay. uh, my brother, after dinner, shared about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And how did he learn about this? Um, not from the church that we went to, <laughs> okay. I, but from someone else that had told we We um, had not been that close to contact. I mean, I don't know exactly who told him about it, but he knew about it. And I noticed that he looked different when he came in. There was something about his eyes that made me feel like something had really changed, you know. So after dinner, he shared with my whole family, all who went to the Christian church family. And um, I began to kind of tremble inside over, what is this? What is this? And, I mean, something in me... uh, I had one question to ask him. I said, what does it do for you? Does it make you love the Lord more? Because we were having a hard time really getting into the Word, and we'd keep going to different churches and trying to, I mean, not we, we were very active in our church, held every job you could hold. We had a very active Sunday school class. But we were looking for something, but we didn't know what. Mm. They didn't teach the Bible at our church, you know, no. But, what did they teach? A lot of history, okay. a lot of social gospel. Yeah. So, um, but we weren't even aware, you know, except uh, John did ask our Sunday school teacher, who was chairman of the board, he asked if he would mind teaching out of the Bible to us in our Sunday school class. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that at all. So he was teaching Josephus or something else, and he would, he'd rather do history. Yeah. So anyway, on this day, Thanksgiving Day, um, I just thought, if, and was, so I said, would it make you love Jesus more? And he said, oh, yes. I, oh, I've got to have this. Even though I was embarrassed uh, because they wanted to put a chair out there for me to sit. I was embarrassed to do this in front of my family. But um, anyway, so he prayed for me, and I received the baptism. And to me, it was like life went from black and white to technicolor. It was just, I fell in love with the Lord. But the biggest thing of all, I had a father. Uh, And you know, every scripture, one of my favorite verses is when the Lord's doing the Lord's Prayer. And he says, our father. He gave us his father. mm. And I'm telling you. I, I almost felt like I wasn't doing Jesus justice enough for the Holy Spirit, but the Father, I, I had a Father, and I fell in love with the Father. And I, it was like um, this void in my heart just got so full and so full. Wow. And um, <clears throat> so that was, and so when later, John didn't say anything that evening, but when we went in to bed, I said, well, what do you think about tonight? He said, well, I, th- I, re- I think I received two. I said, you did. You didn't say anything. You didn't have to sit in the chair in the middle yeah, of anyone. No, he didn't. <laughs> and, uh, but I was glad. And, and he said, yeah, I think I even speak in tongues. I said, well, listen, and I'll tell you whether you two or not. And I thought, you know, what do I know? You know, but he prayed. And I said, yes, you've also been. That's what we knew at that point was a sign of it. We went from not being able to read the word to just 
John became a lover, even more than I did, of the, of the word, of reading it. He, he worked on a surveying crew. He had a little pocket. He put a New Testament in it. And there was a lot of waiting when you go. He worked in L.A., a lot of waiting. And so he'd read and read and read and read. And our lives totally um, turned around. Suddenly we we loved our enemies, you know. We loved people where we were concerned about more before we were for ourselves, you might say. And suddenly everything expanded and who we loved and and we wanted other people to fall in love with the Lord too because it was the greatest thing in our life. Yeah. So um, a lot took place from that point on. We had Bible studies in our home all the time yeah. and um, every week. And, um, and we had some interesting things happen, uh, <clears throat> which I think I'd like to tell you about a couple yeah, of events. I'd love to hear. That happened in, when, when we, we were almost, I mean, we didn't know the word good enough. Okay. But we had a lot of zeal. Yeah. Not a lot of wisdom. Okay. Yeah. So when we moved, we were able to move. Uh, now we adopted Marianne, and we needed a bigger place. So we moved into An- to in Anaheim, and so we were going to take this neighborhood by storm. You know, this was we had so much excitement. We were going to get them all saved. You know, all that kind of stuff. And how old are you guys at this point? Um, let's see. That would be about uh, sixty nineteen sixty. Uh, I was probably about thirty two. Okay, nineteen sixty. Four or five that we moved in. You're in your early 30s, and you're about to take the um, entire neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. We had just two children at okay. that point. And so, and we were going to Melody Land, and I, the neighbor next door to me, we knew that they'd had seances in their home. They were going to um, throw a tea for me. So I thought, oh, that's going to be nice. And so, but the, at church the night before was an evangelist who was saying, if you're not winning souls, you know, you're not wise. You know, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to be winning souls. And so I went to that tea. It was short because it was, it was awful because I, I wasn't myself, and I was using scriptures. They say, Pastor Sugar, I'd, you know, I, was, I didn't even like me at that tea. It was like I was trying too hard to, yeah. to win souls. <laughs> Just putting so much pressure on yourself to be someone you weren't. Yeah, I was not who I was, yeah. and so it ended quickly. And um, Did they kick you out, or was it just no, awkward I think and had to be just over? Thought of things, places they had to be. It was not a success, and I went home. Oh, I knelt on that little sofa there, and I just cried out to God, "Why is it so hard to save people?" And He said, "I didn't call you to save them." And I went, what? He said, I call you to love him and be a friend. Mm. And I thought, oh, I can do that, you know, which was the first I learned that he wants us just to be who we are, you know. And I thought, oh, we just need a big eraser to erase what happened there and that uh, neighborhood (laughs) with the people. But the Lord moved anyway. He, um, and he did, I would like to tell you a couple of things that were just, I've forgotten all about them until the other night. Okay. Uh, I was thinking about them. Uh, one was my neighbor, uh, Luba, and I met her. And uh, at this point, I still have in my mind 
This is before the tea, but and she wasn't at the tea, thank goodness. But I I met her out on the sidewalk, and I'm always thinking, okay, these are people going to be praying for to get saved. And she, we were talking. She was a Russian, and they were, were born in China, but they had to escape the uh, communists and, and had quite a, quite a history. So anyway, we were talking, and she, she pointed to a lady back behind me down, down about five houses. She said, see that lady? I said, yeah. And she said, well, she said hello to me in the grocery store. Uh, last week, and I said, "Look, you don't talk to me on the street. Don't talk to me on the grocery store." <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm afraid of this woman. You know, I thought, how am I, how am I ever going to ever be a witness to her? I'd, I'd never met anyone like her. And then about two days later, she was at our door with um, her mail. It had all been ripped open. There was she. She paid her bills, and they were outside on the mailbox. And apparently, David. And another friend had decided to play uh, mailman, and they'd opened them. And as they opened, they'd opened them, played with them, and they were strewn all over her yard. And I thought, of all people, and she brought it to me, and um, I was so felt so badly. I said, John and I will come over after he gets home, and we'll bring David. He wasn't there right then, and and we'll he will apologize and. We will apologize. Yeah. So we did that, and we went over, and we, uh, he, he, you know, he cried and said he was sorry, and they cried, and then we prayed, and we all cried. We prayed over them and their house, just, and that we were sorry that happened. A blessing. Well, for some, in looking back, that began began to be the start of a good relationship with Luba. She loved us. You know, she loved us after that. And so we had um, we had we went to a little church. We had friends that I had some women that came to um, my house for Bible study. And so she would come the minute she would see them, and she'd come in and just sit down with us. We'd sit at the we had a long dining room table, but she was a smoker, and she smoked the strongest brand of cigarettes. And uh, she was a non nonstop. She was a chain smoker. Was it one of the the brands that doctors were recommending? Well, it, I I don't even want to say it, but it, I don't know if they're still. But they were strong. It was very strong, and so that was before they'd come out against cigarettes yeah, at that yeah. time. Well, we would sit around there, and she'd sit there, never talk, just smoking. Pretty soon, one day, she brought a Bible with her. But and while we prayed, I mean, our room filled up with smoke <laughs> while we prayed, and none of us ever said anything to her yeah. about her smoking. And um, uh, one day, and while we prayed, she just had her eyes open, smoking. So one day, I was so afraid to do this, but everybody else had left, and I said, "Luba, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart?" And um, <clears throat> yeah, okay. So I said, okay. So I knelt down, assuming she would kneel beside me. She knelt way across the room, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, probably now I should have gone over, but I didn't think of it then, what to do. I'm so terrified of this woman, you know. So we finished. She stood up, lit a cigarette, and said, okay, I'm going home. And I, I just knew I had blown it, you know, that I'd asked her too soon. She wasn't ready. <clears throat> 
But a couple of days later, she came to the front door, and she, she used it anyway. She said, "This is Lola, my sister," and I said, "Hi, Lola," and and、uh, she lived in L.A. And she said, "We need to come in." And then she turned to Lola and said, "Lola, you need to get saved." And Lola looked at her, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, we were so careful with Luba." And she she said,、um, "Remember when we were running from the communists and so forth, and they we were in a."、Um, Catholic, they put us up in a dorm, and we laid Bibles on our chest. She said, "Lola, that doesn't do it." And she said, "We got to get him on the inside. It doesn't. We go to sleep at night with the Bible on our chest. We were so fearful." So she said, "Go over there and kneel." <laughs> so, you know, very unusual altar call. Go over there and kneel, and and Ruthann's going to pray for you. And so I, I did, and and she accepted the Lord, and it, but it. Showed me that God had really met Luba in her heart. Yeah, and so、um, she wanted that so bad for her sister. Yeah, and Luba became very endeared to us and to John. She loved John. She she loved the word. She fell in love with the word. And one day she came over and she said, "You know, I was thinking, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born with a cigarette in my mouth." And she said, "It's time for me to stop it." So I said, "God, you do your part, and I'll do my part." And that was it. She quit. Wow. She quit. So that was.、Um, she became. She just became very. And she kind of. I, I learned something very sad that happened in her life. She'd had a、uh, adopted a child for a baby, had it for three months, and then the mother. It was a private adoption, and the mother came and took it back. Took the little girl back. So Marianne kind of became her little girl. <clears throat> Marianne would go over there every day, and、hmm. so anyway, she needed us, and we needed her、yeah. in our lives.、So. I, I love these stories because I, I think、um, I think one thing, if people aren't careful, I, I think a lot of people know your history here, and we'll get there probably, you know, as you tell your story. But I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, Ruth Ann and John, they helped plant this church. They You know, we're at Melody Land, and all these these amazing things. And I don't know that people always realize that you know what, following God is just opening your front door. Yeah. You know, it's just saying, "Come on in." It's、uh, you know, with discernment, saying, "Should I say something about this woman smoking a cigarette and filling、yeah. my house with smoke, or is this not the time?" And it's the every single day. It's、yeah. it's not just big giant events and special、no. people that are called. It's people who who just. Live following、uh, Jesus every day. When John would come home, he would say, "Oh, Luba's been here because the <laughs> house just reeked and the towels did." So, but she,、um, she really, I think God really gave her a gift of faith. Yeah, it was a, a blessing to us. And、um, I, I'd like to tell you one other yes, little, please. One other story was a, f- a friend of Marianne's. Her her father had a heart attack. So we went to pray for him at the hospital, and he became born again. And John worked in L.A. at this time, every day back and forth. And we got a call that night that the mother of his wife, his mother-in-law,、uh, was flying into Los Angeles, but no one could pick her up. You know, and we begin to see the. 
writing on the wall, and it was pouring down rain, pouring down rain. So he, he, John left and picked her up at L.A. And he did tell me, he said, boy, she really, she knows every curse word there is, you know, something like that. We were laughing <laughs> about it. We were laughing. And um, so then we went down the next day to see how, how, the, how the dad was. And she came out just covering her her face is so embarrassed. We were both there and just couldn't look at him. And then she finally said, I didn't, I'd learned you were a pastor after I got here. She said, I cannot believe what I, all the things I said in the car coming home. She said, but since you're a pastor, perhaps you can tell me what this means. She said, I found this. I found it in the gutter in Hawaii one time. It was... It, it was a little Bible track, the little red Bible. I don't know if you ever, I'm not back sure. in our days, little Bible track. It was, you know, the the red was all blotched because it had been, it had been in the gutter. She said, I found this, but I did not know what it meant. And I've saved it, you know, for several years. Could you tell me what this means? And it happened to be, though our sins be as scarlet, we can be washed white as snow. <clears throat> John was, oh, well, yes, I can tell you what that means. And um, she ended up accepting the Lord. And uh, so it was just God's goodness over and over. You know, we're, you know, we had nothing to do with it. And then I'll just tell you one more. I, I forgot all these stories I was thinking about the other day. Uh, one more <clears throat> of just the blessing in the neighborhood. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. My throat. We had a neighbor right across Caddy Corner, cul-de-sac, and they had she had a little they had a little boy, and um, probably about the age of your and she loved to have Linda come over, and play with him so she could get some work done. Yeah. Maybe he's a little younger. Yeah. So that's what preceded this story. Well, then one day, and Linda always sang. She was always singing, as a little kid, and so. One day there was a knock on our door, and it was this neighbor, a very nice young man. Um, <clears throat> and he said, John, what can I do to get saved? <laughs> you know, this is what every dream everybody wants. And he goes, well, come on in. And he said, um, you know, he said, I was taught those things when I was young. But he said, every time your daughter sings, Jesus loves me. She's a, I hear her singing the songs from Sunday school. And he said, I get so convicted that I can't sleep thinking I've got to get saved. So that, and he did. And he, uh, down the road, they became pastors in the uh, Calvary Chapel, I think wow. it was. So that was, that was just the goodness of the Lord in spite of our yeah. mistakes, you know. It seems to me like, um, you know, after your tea experience, that you settled into just accepting that God created me a certain way and I have permission just to be me. Yes. And I, I think there's something really beautiful and wonderful when somebody settles into this is just who I am and I accept who I am because then they turn around and they accept people for who they are. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people who have a hard time accepting who they are are also the people who put a lot of demands and judgment on others. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, you and John were a, a powerful combination of just letting people be themselves and that actually was the way that God yeah. opened doors. Yeah, he did. He had a lot to learn. 
yeah. He, the Lord, His grace, I have to say His grace was just there all, every step of the way because we needed it, you know, we needed it. So He was very, very good to us, very good to us. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, uh, so two things you said, um, you, you mentioned Linda and you had talked about um, uh, David and uh, Marianne. So when did um, Linda enter your life? A lot of people who are listening will know Linda, so I'm, I'm just curious. Okay. Um, we were married 13 years okay. and learned that we were expecting, and uh, that was just such a shock, you know, because no longer was that one of our dreams. You know, I think we just had bought a secondhand car, <laughs> you know, thinking, can we afford this? But it, and so that, um, and that has been, that was a blessing. And, and I will share this story. Most of the church knows it, but um, because before Linda was born, there were four four of us, my mother and John, and the two children were adopted, and I was the only one that wasn't adopted. Hmm. And so, you know, they, they all felt pretty good about being adopted. They felt very, maybe a little too good, because one day Linda came in from playing with David and Marianne, just sobbing and sobbing, like, I, I thought, is she hurt? And there was no blood. I could, she was just sobbing, and I said, Linda, what's going on? She said, I just learned I wasn't adopted. <laughs> <laughs> and she wanted to be adopted. Well, the brother and sister had yeah. told her that they were chosen. You know, she was just what we got. <laughs> so anyway, so, but she overcame that. So <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you said is you kind of just slipped it in there. So John is working. He's doing surveying in L.A. How did he become a pastor? When did that happen? Well, it sort of just evolved. The um, we were he had leadership right away. You could see that, but he he loved teaching and he did have a stutter. You know, and I've, however, I never hardly noticed it after that. But so it just didn't fit that he would ever do public anything public because even when we'd be in our Sunday school class, if something or people didn't know and they have you go around the room and tell who you are and so I used to really feel concerned for him because that would be put a little pressure on him with his speech. So that's why probably why I'm so for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because God just literally moved in and took over in our lives. And for John... He began to teach the Word when we had Bible studies, and we got involved. It, um, when Melody Land was still on Candlewood, we got involved with uh, home ministry groups. He led, and pretty soon it was more and more groups, and pretty soon we had two groups a, a month, which is a lot when you have little kids. Yeah, you know, yeah. Had to get, get them tired so they go to bed early and work. <laughs> but anyway, um, so more and more. And then they opened the School of Theology, and by we were by this time we had been going to Meldyland quite a while, and they opened the School of Theology, and um, that was I mean, he had gone back. To, I I worked one year for him to go back to college so we could see what he wanted. He just went into engineering and all, but nothing really hit him until it was the School of Theology. He loved it. He still worked. He got one. He got some award for the highest student. He. Uh, loved what he loved the word he loved people turns out he could speak in front of people and um 
So and God anointed it. Did the uh, did the stutter go away, or was it just not present when he was I speaking about God? I had to ask God? other people, but I was never aware of it in the latter years at all. Okay, it would be. Uh, I was not aware of it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll have to ask my daughters what they think on that, or David. But <clears throat> yeah, it, it, the more he, I think something just happened there, and it. It, more and more was gone. Yeah. So. so did he? So he went through this. Did he formally become a staff member at Melody Land? No, he um, he still worked. He but they had an internship program. Okay. And he took it one year, and then they asked him to to be in charge of that. So he was in charge of the internship for quite a few years, and, and we made wonderful friends that came from all over, you know, the United States to see what was going on out here, right. and became pastors, and, and we still have some very good friends in different states from um, the time we had with them. I think he graduated from the School of Theology in 75, Okay, and he went, <clears throat> his heart now was no longer for his job, but for the ministry, and, but he was very conservative. I, I found out about John if we were going to shop in a, when we first married. I just want to get it and get home. He wants to research and research and research. And finally, I wouldn't go shopping. He like, especially we were looking for at this time. It was stereo, you know, Fisher, whatever okay. components. <laughs> Went to L.A. and finally I quit because I realized he had no intention to. So. I don't know why I'm telling that. But he was just a conservative guy. Yes. Oh, so he just needed all of the so, details yes. before making so a decision. So for him to ever leave his job without pay would be like he was a good provider. Now he was like in the engineering department. So, but he he wanted to go in the ministry, and so Nora Lamb took a trip over to um, China somewhere over there, and into the bush and so forth. And uh, he wanted to go. And so, but we didn't have the funds to go. And But anyway, it's so amazing what happened one night at Melody Land. Um, the pastor called everybody up that wanted to go on the trip to, to come up there. And so he did. He went up there. And as he was leaving, a lady met him and said, you're the one. The Lord has told me I was to pay for someone who was going to go, but I didn't know who. And she said, I came this morning to church, and I, I looked at everybody. No, no, no. She said, and then church went on in the evening, and then she said, when he called him up at the end, she said, and the Lord said, you're the one. So, so his, his uh, fare was paid for. Wow. Which was big for us. Yeah. And his his um fleece, you might say, was if um if he, when he went over to minister there cuz they were all going to go out and minister with her, if God was with him and if something proved that God was in it and there was like results, then he would quit his job. Hmm. And so that was big, and of course, I was ready for him to quit right away. It sounded really good, but he waited and waited until one day he was at his desk, and the Lord said, "You know, today's the day." And so he left his. You know, we had a pretty good salary. Left that, and um, he had 
kind of been promised that he would be put on staff there, but then that uh, changed into an offer to come as a volunteer. But he'd already quit, and he already knew. And then God just provided. God Mm. provided. Uh, There's so many ways that God has provided for us that it's just um, was the right thing for him to do. And he found his love. He loved what he did. He loved the Word. And so... So that that's, that's amazing. So how how old was he when he quit his job? In his thirties, early forties. I would say he was in his. Well, he was born in thirty one. He graduated in seventy five. Okay, you do the math for me. Forty four. Yeah, that? and then probably a couple of years later. Yeah, so I, I think it's such an incredible message because I I think. Um, so often our, our world wants people to figure out where's your lane and you stay in it as quickly as possible. Like I know high school seniors that are stressed out because they can't figure out what they're going to do with their lives. Yeah, I, I sure hope people hear this and think you could start a family. You could move across the country. You could be in a, a great career. And when God calls you out of it, oh. you you go. Yeah. It's wow. a, that's the way it happened, and uh, he he fell so in love with the Lord, and it, we couldn't get over the power of the Word mm. to change people's lives. Yeah, and um, so one of the greatest things for us at Melody Land was they started a new Christians class. There were so many, so many new Christians. They ended up with about five or six of them, and uh, the intern pastors taught them, and and. Uh, it, it was during the Jesus movement kind of thing. So I just remember so many weddings we did in our home. I mean, they already had maybe five, six, seven kids. But they would be reading the word and go, ah, we should get married, you know. And so we even gathered a few candles and a few things because it wasn't unusual to um, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit spoke to them because they were learning the Bible that they would get married. So they would just jump up and John would officiate a wedding on the spot? Well, no, they would let us know. I mean, they would talk to us okay. at a week ahead or something, you know. And I, it's funny because you learn not to show on your face sometimes when you just want to laugh, you know. <laughs> and I remember one day uh, at the house, this this couple, they had quite a few children. This couple came and, and oh man, they loved the Lord and and now they wanted to get married and they wanted to please God. And she said, she said this to me. She said, oh, when we woke up this morning in bed, we were so nervous. Today's our wedding day. And, you know, it just, it was, just tickled me so much how God, how God works, you know. Yeah. So, so you were at Melody Land. Um, and, and you mentioned, so I don't know the full kind of timeline because you mentioned you were at Melody Land before it moved to the, the big mm-hmm. area. So how, how long were you guys at Melody Land for? We left Melody Land for a few years to go into another little church, and John helped pastor that church. But we went back. So I would say we started in um, probably six, I think Linda was about 18 months. So probably started, well, actually, in 1961, we, they were meeting in a little uh, uh, women's club meeting house over at, on La Palma in Anaheim. We went to that. And that was when um, 
because now we've all been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we don't know what to do with ourselves. So there were some people that had a lot of meetings because they mostly were church people, uh, denominational people that were baptized, and most of the churches didn't really approve, you know, of that. Yeah. So we were looking for, <laughs> and they, and so we all heard you. You find out where to go, you, and that there was a man that had a, a meetings in his home right after we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tons and tons of people went to his home, and uh, he was a builder, and he had, and we all got to know each other and pray with each other and keep keep growing. And then we went. To, then we met uh, my brother. Actually, introduced me to Ralph or to Pastor Wilkerson. So, so we in that night that we went to the women's clubhouse. David was like eighteen months old. Okay, and so. And John had never stood up in front of anybody to talk, but but uh, Ralph, I can't always knew him as Ralph, but Pastor Wilkerson knew, knew us. He'd been to dinner at our house, and he um, he had, he knew about John that he'd been, you know, that he was falling in love with the Lord. So he asked John to come up and and give his testimony. And I sat there thinking, oh, what, how painful this is going to be for John because of his speech. This was in the beginning of all of that, hmm. probably around, probably around 1962. Or anyway, he he went up there, and I had never heard him talk about his speech, uh, saying that you know it was difficult because of his speech, but he loved the Lord so much. How people were crying all over, and I sat there thinking, who is this man, you know, up there standing, and then he, he shared what the word meant to him. And that was that was kind of our first introduction to Melody Land, and then we were involved with him as they went from place to place, you know. That was a pivotal moment for him then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. For me too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're at Melody Land, and we don't have to rehash it all, but, you know, things start to get a little strange and then start to go south. And... Um, I'm just, I'm just curious. I, I've heard all sorts of accounts from all sorts of people, but you are married to John. You live with John. From, from where you were sitting, what happened where Zion became a church that we now know as Bridge Community Church? Well, I'm very thankful for Melody Land because it was a vision that took us in, and we were, we were able to fulfill what we were looking for. But yes, there came a time when, <clears throat> when it just there were some changes made, and uh, we knew we knew Noel Weiss, but not really well there in that church. It was a big church, and well, so you wouldn't have said that you knew him super well. Uh, no, we didn't know Noel real well. Okay, I knew him, yeah. and uh, John knew him because John was involved in all the baptisms and everything with the with the interns. Right, and for those of there's a lot of people I'm learning are, are watching and they don't know the history. So when when you're talking about Noel, you're talking about Noel Weiss. Weiss. And Noel and your husband, John, are, are kind of the two that are all often said yeah. are, are the founders of where we're sitting. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, so and there was another, another friend there who kind of wanted to start a church with John. Okay. But, you know, we were just, we were still there. Everybody else had pretty much left. We were still there. Just waiting to hear from God, and um, and we got a phone. He got a phone call from Noel one day, 
asking him not to start a church with anybody else, to wait till he got back. He was on a trip with Cecil Pumphrey, wait till he got back and wanted us to come over to the house. So we did. I remember that very well because my husband is such a researcher. He took time for everything. So we're sitting on the sofa, and uh, Noel is presenting the word that he, prophetic word and so forth, and even included, if I remember correctly, that John was to be the one he was to call. And so he said, John, would you like to be an associate pastor? So I thought, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, he is going to, we're going to pray about this a long time. And John stood up and said, yes. And I said, John, don't we need to pray? But he said, no, I already know. <laughs> so that was, I was in shock city, you know, but I mean, it wasn't against it. It just. So if you, know, you, if you knew him well, you knew that was so out of character. Out God, of character. God had to have been doing Out something. of character for okay. John. Yeah. Okay. So, so he says yes. And then what, what happens, what transpires from saying yes to. Lots of meetings yeah. at their home, um, a board and setting up the constitution, a lot of meetings, and um, and then we met and we um, we rented a um, oh anyway I can't remember it right like a hotel conference hotel mm-hmm, off the ninety one and uh, we and as Phyllis and different ones have shared it was a huge first day huge yeah. And packed out. Millie was the CE. She handled the took care of the CE and um, Noel and John and Tom. Tom. Tom Long was the youth. And so, oh my gosh, you know, people came out of the woodwork. It was it blew our minds, you know, yeah. because we didn't do any advertising. Yeah, I'm not sure how everybody word of mouth. I think. Yeah, so. and I've heard you know you weren't even sure if five or ten people would show yeah. up, and it was. So many hundred that you had to immediately go to two services yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't know this. I, I sort of just assumed when I thought of this whole story that you and John were very close with Noel and Phyllis prior to this. No, we knew them, yeah. and they um, Noel taught there, and then John taught a marriage class there. Okay. We knew them, but probably didn't f- fellowship with them. And yeah, and I knew who Phyllis was. Yeah. They were more. She was involved with the women's ministry, and, and um, we were pretty involved with all the interns and their wives, the people that had come out of state. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, so you are now kind of thrust in this brand new situation. You're planting a church, more or less. Yes. And, and I know that the two of you are, you know, what do they say, thick as thieves. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Like, how, do, how does a friendship blossom out of something that starts with turmoil and then turns into something beautiful together? Do you, do you look back and think that's where our, our friendship really began? Yeah. I just have to say the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord just gave us a love for each other. Yeah. And, um, I mean, to this day, we still, Phyllis and I talk every day on the phone. Yeah. once. Uh, but... Little did we dream. I, to be a pastor's wife was never a dream of mine. I, there was someone I w- went out with a little bit, but then he was studying for the ministry. I couldn't think of anything sadder <laughs> than to be a pastor's <laughs> wife. You know, I thought that would be 
Not a very fun life. So God got you to sign up to be an engineer's wife and then pulled a fast one on yeah, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's got a sense of humor. So, um, you know what? I, I'm just curious. This whole time, are you, um, are you still ner- doing nursing? No, no, okay. no. So you had stopped uh, quite yes. a while before. I stopped as soon as we adopted. Oh, okay. I did. So I stopped. Been, I worked the years. first seven years. But um, my dream was to have a family. Okay. That was my dream. Yeah. So, so early on, um, you I, I kind of know some of the story. This this place becomes kind of a, a miracle, and all of a sudden you have a, a property and a building. So um, one of the things I'm enjoying about this conversation, I, I feel like you're really good at telling stories of kind of the day-by-day. So often people think of a church, and they think of the big monumental stuff. T- tell us some of the, maybe a, a funny story or two, the, just the, the basic everyday being a pastor's wife around a new church. Well, there were the, there were many, many joyful things, and there were a couple of things that weren't. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, a couple of things we had to work through. Yeah, not with Nolan Phyllis, but and but there were. You realize that um, <clears throat> a lot of joy, just a lot of joy, and um, I'm trying to think of some particular memories of I remember uh, I, I just remember that um, you know when they sewed all the, uh, when they sawed all the pews in half I remember John was out there working with the saw because they were long and, and so we made a center aisle oh okay during that time and I had something to do with our, our daughter was getting married uh, but it I just you know I can't really um, it just went fast yeah. went so fast, and the kids grew up, and um, we made many good, wonderful friends. Really fell in love with the Lord, and um, and then our desire, our hunger, our hunger kept increasing for more of Him. Still have that, yeah, more of Him. Uh, I know there's so much more, mm. you know, so much more of. To, of him to love and so um it just went fast that's very fast that time yeah, yeah. what is it um what is it like for you and what was it like in maybe previous years to so you're monumental in shaping and starting a new church uh but you've been around long enough to see an entirely new generation kind of rise up. So pretty much your own children that you saw and changed their diapers now kind of grows into leadership. And maybe even in this season, it's it's almost like a, a third generation is kind of rising. Mm-hmm. What is that like for you to, to sit in the church that... I love it. I absolutely love it. I like to see it passed on. Yeah. I, like, I believe they'll do so much better, each generation better than the generation before. Mm. And I absolutely... That's what we're here for, Yeah. to see the next generation do it, and then the next generation. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I think so much of kind of what you're talking about and, and your personality this whole time is is really, I don't know if anyone said this to you, but it's it's kind of in the DNA of, of this church. You know, I, I was thinking about um, about you as I was driving in, and I was thinking, you know, who is Ruth Ann? Mm. And... Uh, to me, you're a, a very kind of quiet encourager. 
Um, I can't tell you how many times I've um, maybe spoke or said something and thought like that came out so stupid. That was such, uh, that was not what I wanted to share. And then you will send me a text message that just kind of like immediately makes me stand up straight again and think, you know, if Ruth Ann thinks you can do it, then you can do it. Um, that's kind of who you are. And, and you know, another element that I, I notice is, you know, you're here almost every Sunday, but I notice when you're not here and I, I want to know what, what's going on with, with Ruth Ann. I think that's part of what you've left is is noticing people, about giving people permission to be who they are. So I I hope that you hear that from me. I, I see it and I'm not even, I didn't even grow up here. I, I see that that's part of you in the DNA of Bridge. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, so as, as kind of life has unfolded, you've done a lot of life just right here on, on this property. Um, if you're well, if you're willing to share kind of, um, you know, because John is not with us any longer. He, uh, mm-hmm. He's with his heavenly father. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, what, what was kind of the, the transition away from kind of not away from ministry, but formally being the pastor? What was that like for you? He guys? was ill. So that took us out of the ministry for, well, no, he had retired. He had retired. And, and give people a perspective. What, what year is this that he retired? He retired, I think it was in 99. But okay. then I think he came back and helped out in a while. Okay. And then, um, but then uh, he, he passed away uh, to... 2017 in June. Yeah. The end of June. And that was a um a big change. Mm. He was not only my my sweetheart, he was my best friend. We talked a lot mm. together. We shared. We would just we would just share a lot and that's um I still miss that. But um there was a day when uh, he'd been gone a few months. And I was, it was time to get up in the morning. And my family had been wonderful. I, I cannot say enough about my family. They're wonderful. But they don't replace your spouse. You know, they're wonderful. They've been good to me. But I was thinking that morning, and I said it out loud or thought it. There's no reason to get up. I don't have a purpose anymore. Mm. Plus, I've been caring for him for a few years. And I thought... I don't have a really a purpose. And just like that, I heard this I heard the Lord say to me, This is your purpose. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And I it just went right in. It was like a Rhema word. It went right into me. I jumped up, I thought, I know that's in Deuteronomy, but I just don't know where. So I looked through. That was a total changing point for me i have this purpose to love him with all my heart and all my soul and and it was very defined to me and i added being thankful because that's another one of my big things but it was in deuteronomy 6 5 and um i love that purpose that purpose is a very um i love it and and that's so that was that transition, and um, did I miss him? And and uh, oh yeah, I do. And he was he was a wise person. I could be upset about something, maybe somebody said or something in the church, something. Go home, but I knew if I say it to him, he would enlarge the picture, hmm. cause me to love that person and realize 
what where they were coming from and probably had this difficulty or that. He could do that every time yeah. for me. And um he was a good man, you know, mm-hmm. he was a good man. So after um after that of of my purpose, I began to write more and, and um pursue. I began to pursue him more. I felt I've been given a um an assignment, you know. And then Right after that, he began to speak to me about being more thankful, starting my day out with being thankful. And um, early on, well, we had been doing that to some degree. Uh, Early on uh, with John, he was really taken with the teaching about life and death and the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. And so that's something we practice a lot because you could either speak life to somebody or you could speak death, and we thought, oh, what a great, what a great gift that is to be able to speak life to somebody. Mm-hmm. And so we used to practice um, Irvine Park, our favorite place to go. We'd go walk over there, take turns doing thank yous. You know, I still go over there, take turns doing thank yous. You know, and the thing about doing thank yous, you start maybe kind of rough in the cold, but after a while. It just goes on and on and on, the things that you suddenly see to be thankful for. So that kind of came back even more to me after John passed away to be, to work on being more thankful. What I, I guess I would want to share that with everybody. What that does is beyond words. When you start giving thanks whether you're in the mood or not you know i can be very raunchy you know <laughs> i mean i but but i can turn from that point and decide to be thankful and um it's almost like his presence it changes the environment and all of a sudden you're giving thanks and you see more and more to be thankful for instead of focusing on the negative and it's like you feel his presence you know, it's like, I, I don't know of anything that works so quickly. Uh, the battle is always against the mind. I've had that when I, I think I grew up with that. Mm. And uh, when I would wake up in the morning, the enemy pointing out the failures and all that. And so this is the greatest tool in the world is to reset my affection on him and to begin to thank him. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It works. That's it, it's such a great reminder. And I, I, I hope people hear you say that when they watch this, because one of the things I, I, I really am hopeful for this when we do this podcast is is kind of to humanize people. Because I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I think there could be a, a temptation to think like, oh, that's that's Ruth Ann. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is, you know, a, a mighty saint, which I believe. But you're also a human, right? We'll have to set you straight. You're 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 a human, and I think sometimes people, you know, they they slowly over time they hear stories, they hear about like planting a church or being married, and they think like that yeah. you're on a pedestal. So even for you to say, sometimes I just wake up with, in your words, a raunchy mind, and I have to reset on thankfulness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that will help people think like I'm in the same boat. I can make the same decision also to to pursue yeah. the Lord today. It's it's it's. Uh, I can remember one time. <clears throat> And we were, uh, I don't know how long we'd been married, but we, we, we had kids by this time. I remember we'd had a pretty nice kiss at the door goodbye. And he was driving, I know, probably still smiling. And I was in the kitchen 
doing dishes, and I looked out the window, still thinking how much I loved him. And I saw something, the, the hose, that he didn't fix that weekend. And then I saw something else. And then it's like a video played of all the things. He wasn't able to fix things very good. And, you know, just so quickly, and that's one of the, I remember that, uh, how quickly you got to pull that thought right back and get back onto being. It's something we can do or we can just. Are you telling wives to not nag their husbands? Is that what you're saying yeah, right exactly. now? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> thank them. Thank the Lord for them. Oh. <laughs> so. Well, well, Ruthie, and I, I want to give you a space if you'd, if you'd like to, if, um, I think one of the things we're finding out is as soon as this goes online and people listen to it, um, a whole lot of people who maybe have seen you from a distance are going to feel like, I, I know her. What would you like people to know about you? What would you like to say to them about you, about following the Lord, anything that, that you'd like to pass along? I think that um, there is one thing. I, th- I You know me. I, I want everyone to get baptized in the Holy Spirit because yeah. of what Jesus said to the to uh, the disciples and, and the, the crowd, not to go out until you've waited, you know, waited for the promise. Yeah. But that would be number one, because that's where my life really, where I fell in love with the Lord, the beginning of just really, really falling in love with. Other people will have different stories because of, they were in the Word and so forth earlier, we were not. But I think the other thing would be several things. To practice being thankful. I think that brings you into health and joy. I, there's just, but it brings you into his presence, number yeah. one. Practice being thankful. That life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can tear down your husband, tear down your kids, or you can build them up. Mm. You, know? you can constantly be edifying them and building them up. And then um, there's a third thing, or another thing. Especially, I think, for people our age. I, I would think I would say not to take offense. You know, I, I think that spirit of offense is rampant. You know, something to be offended about over everything. I would say that's a trick of the enemy to take you into feeling offended and, hmm. and a response back for that. I think the Lord wants us to work on yielding that offense, giving that up, saying, I give up that right to be offended on that. I don't need to carry that. Hmm. Those would be, that'd be about it. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here, but, um, you know, you've been such a joy and such an encouragement to me. I think, uh, so many people have the, the same experience with you and I, um, I so appreciate who you are, quiet and humble and encouraging. And I, I'm so grateful that you chose long ago just to be yourself. Mm. I think uh, so many people have been impacted because of, of that choice. So I just want to say thank you for sitting down. Uh, I know this was not your first choice. It took a little coaxing. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for sharing so many wonderful stories with us. I, I'm very excited to, to see what, what kind of relationships come as people feel like I know her and I want to I talk to her. So I hope you make some, some really good new friends because of this. And, and okay. um, I just want to tell you we're, we're very grateful for you and who you are. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. So we'll, we'll sign off here. Okay. okay. 